Wow, thank you guys so much. Love you, and thank you for uh, doing such an awesome job leading us in worship. I'm so excited to speak to you today, um, but I'm nervous about it because uh, this is what normally happens. I normally um, get a word from the Lord about a direction he wants to go um, on a particular Sunday, and I have had a message ready for this Sunday, Father's Day, months ago. Um, I had planned, and I thought the Lord had led me to be, to be prepared to speak on Genesis chapter 38 in our study of Joseph, which is um, the story of Judah and Tamar, his daughter-in-law, and all the lessons we as men could learn from that story. And on Tuesday morning, I woke up with a start, and the Holy Spirit did something that he's rarely done with me, but he has done it before. He made it very clear to me on the edge of my bed, Phil, I want you to speak a different word, a different word that I gave you, and here's what it is. And um, I began to write at that moment, and what I'm about to present to you came out of that. Now, that, that sounds like I'm setting the Holy Spirit up and saying, hey, if you don't like it, it's the Holy Spirit's fault. But the, the bottom line is, um, he has given me a different word to speak into you, uh, men particularly, but to all of us, in the middle of this crazy time that we find ourselves in right now. And I call it a crazy time not out of disrespect. I just call it a crazy time because the times we're living in are very odd and strange and hard and confusing. And I wonder if you're like me, um, in the middle of confusing times, have you ever had the feeling that you have an answer to it? Do you have like a simple answer to a very complex problem, but you're just too nervous to speak about it? You're just too nervous to say it because no one else is mentioning it, and so your brain starts to think, well, maybe I just, I'm clueless. Maybe I just don't have all the facts. Maybe I'm just ignorant of what's going on, and so I can't really speak into it. Um, maybe you're like me, and you would say in that moment, Maybe my answer is just so simple that it's stupid and everyone else will think that it's stupid if I actually say it. On the other hand, my brain says, what if, uh, what if the solution to this very complex problem is so simple and basic that it's being overlooked by those who are focusing too tightly on its complexity that they can't see the forest for the trees. So I'd like to take you to 2 Timothy chapter three, and I'm going to read excerpts from chapter three and chapter four as I lean into uh, this topic today. Now, 2 Timothy was written, um, the second of two books, to a young pastor named Timothy, by his father in the Lord, his spiritual father, Paul, who was at the end of his life, and Paul wanted to speak some specific things, some really good words into his son in the faith, this young pastor, Timothy. And he wrote this to him. You should know this, Timothy. This is, this is such good stuff for us because you, you need to understand that we believe this, this is God's word, the Bible, and that God is speaking specifically to us when we open it and read it. And all the things that were written in the past were written for us today so that we can learn and we can grow 
And we can have endurance as we walk through this life. And so whenever Paul says to Timothy, you should know this, I actually have my name in there. You should know this, Phil. I just take it like Paul's writing it to me today, and I think you should do the same. You should know this, that in the last days, there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. Man, does that just sound like it's being written today? They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends. They will be reckless. They will be puffed up with pride. They will love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but will reject the power that could make them godly. It goes on to say, evil people in those days, evil people and imposters will flourish. They will deceive others and will themselves be deceived. That literally could be written today as it seems like we're living in a time that's very difficult to understand and to figure out. In a time when it seems like all common sense has been thrown out the door and we don't know how to act and react and we don't know what to say in the midst of all this chaos that we have around us today. If there ever was a need for men to step up, it's now. If there was ever a need for men, godly men, to speak up, it's now. But not in the way that you are thinking that I am speaking to you right now or expecting of you right now. Not in the way that is popular and certainly not in the way that the culture and our media and specialty groups and maybe even some of your friends and family and neighbors may be demanding of you to act out and to speak out. I'm not speaking of following all the rhetoric and the endless sea of words that are flooding and taking over the national conversation. I'm saying that it's time for God's mighty men to stand up and step up, and this is the title of the sermon, and speak a better word, the word we just sang about, the precious blood sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ spoken into our community, spoken into our circumstances, spoken into the complexity of the problem, spoken into our history and into our past and worldwide. And that word and that word alone, the word, the good news it's called, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the only thing that's going to bring change. But this better word is not popular and may even be distantly obscure because God's men, unfortunately, too many of them, have been silent for far too long. This word that we're talking about is not a better word because it's politically correct or it's socially and racially correct. It's a better word because it is spiritually, morally, and biblically correct. 
And it comes from knowing and doing what God in his word instructs us to know and to do and the words that we are instructed to say and speak into our world and into the complexity of sin and depravity and chaos that Satan has brought in and loves to have happen because it divides people. Paul goes on to speak into this, into Timothy, as he ends in chapter three and begins in chapter four, and again, I'm reading excerpts from this passage, but he says, in this time, Timothy, you must remain faithful to the things that you have been taught. You know that they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. And what he's saying is, Timothy, you've had it instilled in you. And my brothers, a First Baptist church, if you've been with us very long, you have had the word of God spoken into you every single week. And you have studied the word. And you can trust the word of God. And you can trust those who have faithfully instructed you in the ways that you are supposed to live, in the way that you are supposed to act, in the way that you are supposed to speak. So preach the word, he says to him, and he says to us, and be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching, for a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. My friend, the time is now. It's happening. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and they will chase after myths. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. That's going to come. We know that. The scripture tells us. Anyone who wants to live a godly life is going to suffer persecution. So don't be afraid of that suffering that's coming. Work at telling others the good news. That's what we're all about. And fully carry out the ministry God has given you. This is our job, men. This is what God is calling all of his men to. To stand up and to speak up and to speak a better word into our families, into our culture, into our community, into our world. And he's calling on you to do it. He's calling on me to do it. We have a fundamental problem. You can call it a systemic problem if you want. That's a word that's being used a lot these days. So we have a fundamental systemic problem in our world. And sadly, it has crept into the church of Jesus Christ itself. It's a disease. It's a virus that is attacking at every level because it is deeply ingrained in every single one of us. It's an ancient problem that humanity has been wrestling with with since the beginning of time, and we are seeing it played out on the world stage on a scale that I have not seen in my 50 years of living on this planet. 58 to be exact. It's actually reminiscent of the Old Testament days of God's people. That's why it's an ancient problem. It's been happening since the beginning of time. But if you go back to the beginning of God's people, Israel, In the book of Judges in the Old Testament, it says this. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight and served other gods. They abandoned the Lord 
the God of their ancestors who had brought them out of Egypt. They, they, they walked away from the God who was taking care of them and delivering them and worked magnificent miracles in their presence. How crazy is that? They went after other gods, worshiping the gods of the people around them. And this made the Lord burn with anger against Israel. So he handed them over to the raiders who stole their possessions. He turned them over to the enemies all around and they were no longer able to resist them. Every time Israel went out to battle, the Lord fought against them. Who fought against them? They go to battle with their enemies and the Lord is fighting against them because they had turned their backs on the Lord, God's people. And that caused the enemy to defeat them just as God had warned would happen if they turned their backs on him. And the people were in great distress. And then notice this. In those days, Israel had no king. All the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes and demanded everyone else agree with them. That's not in there, but I just threw that part in. Because that's what we're experiencing here today. We're experiencing in our culture, in our world today, everyone doing right what is, seems right in their own eyes, and you better do it the way I think. This is called moral relativism. And instead of submitting to God and his word, the Israelites embraced individual autonomy. Does that sound familiar at all? They created their own autonomous zones. Each person became a law unto himself, and the result was widespread evil. That's what happens when people do what is right in their eyes and they don't heed to the things that God expects of them and makes clear in his word how they are supposed to live, how they are supposed to act, and how they are supposed to speak into the situation. There was another time that this happened. At the very beginning of all time, God creates the heavens and the earth and he creates this beautiful, perfect garden and he sets a man in there and then he creates a woman from his side and places her at his side to be a helper and so Adam and Eve are in the garden and decided to yield to the temptation to do what was right in their own eyes even though God made it crystal clear what they were supposed to do or not do. You remember the story? He puts them in the garden and he says, you can eat anything. The garden is for you. And you can have anything you want. Anything. You can do anything you want. You can have anything you want except one thing. There is one tree in the middle of the garden I don't want you to eat the fruit from. But you can have all the rest of the fruit in the garden. You can do anything else you want. But you just can't have the one tree. You can't eat of that one tree. You guys clear on that? Yeah, we're clear on that. But the tempter came. I said, you know, God knows that if you eat of that tree that you're going to be like him. He doesn't want you to be like him. Just letting you know that little bit that he didn't tell you. And they believed the lie that there was something more for them that would make them happier or make them greater than God had prepared for them. And they disobeyed God and they sinned. At that time, the Bible tells us that a curse came upon the world. A curse came upon all men. 
And Romans 5.12 tells us that at that time, sin entered into the world through one man, Adam, and death through that sin entered into the world. And in this way, death came to all people because people decided they wanted to do what was right in their own eyes and not listen to what God had to say. Not listen to the better word that God was speaking into them and into their world and into their life. Moses tells us in the book of Genesis that when men began to increase after the curse came upon the world and men began to increase in the earth, so did sin and wickedness. In Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, it says that the Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth and he saw, get these words, these words matter, he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry he ever made them and put them on the earth and it broke his heart. And the Lord said, I will wipe this human race I have created from the face of the earth. Yes, and I will destroy every living thing, all the people, the large animals, the small animals that scurry along the ground and even the birds of the sky. I am sorry I ever made them. I need to tell you something, my friends. It never goes well for people to do what is right in their own eyes. This has always been true, that if you are careless and do what is right in your own eyes, failure and loss and heartache and pain, consequences and suffering, curses, judgment and damnation will follow you and chase you down like a hungry wolf in the dead of winter. And it won't stop and it will keep on coming. It never goes well for people, especially God's people, to decide to do what is right in their own eyes. But the other is also true. The opposite is true. And this is what I want you to hear loud and clear. That if you are careful to do what is right in God's eyes, if a people, an individual, a people, a people group, a race, a religious group, a nation, and the entire world will just hear the words of God, the wonderful words of life, and they'll heed to Jesus' words, then the Bible promises that success and prosperity, joy and peace, goodness and mercy, blessings, deliverance and salvation will follow you all the days of your life. Isn't that good news? Isn't that a better word to speak into our world situation today? This better word was given to Joshua one of the leaders of God's people way back in the Old Testament. And these words that he gave to Joshua are the same for us today in Joshua 1, 7, where he says, be careful, Joshua, and I want you to lead all the people to be careful and obey all the instructions that Moses gave you because I gave them to Moses. And do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. There's a promise in that. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you be prosperous and succeed in all you do. Here's another better word that rings true today. 2 Chronicles 7.14 If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face 
and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their land. And my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers of people like that. I will hear their prayers, and I'll do something about it. And I'll bring healing to their land. This is the better word, my friends, that the world needs to hear. This is what will put things right in our world and will rewrite our history. To borrow a phrase from the great prophet Hosea, our nation has sown the wind and is now reaping the whirlwind. The cure for our division, the cure for our virus is humility and repentance. Nothing else will ultimately help. Everything else that we try to do on our own to fix all that is wrong in the world, and there's a lot wrong in the world, all of it will just be a Band-Aid. It won't fix anything. It'll just still be there for generations to deal with forever. Only humility and repentance. That's what will put every individual, you, you, my friend. Um, it's the only thing that will put an entire nation on the path to recovery and unity and blessing and salvation and deliverance and joy and peace and prosperity. Oh, that God would wake us up like he did back in Jonah's day when the decree went out from the king of Nineveh. Do you remember that wicked town? And God touched the heart of the king and the king put out this proclamation to all the people. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning and everyone must pray earnestly to God they must turn from their evil ways and stop all their violence. Who can tell, people? Perhaps even yet God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. The story is that the prophet brought judgment to the town because of the wickedness. I mean, Nineveh was a wicked place. And yet they cried out, they humbled themselves, and they turned from their wicked ways, and they repented. And God delivered them and brought peace and joy and unity and salvation to their nation. This is what we are desperately in need of. I heard one commentator say this this week. What we need is a single national leader, just one, who understands what is actually going on in this country and is brave enough to stand up and say so. My friends, brothers in Christ, this is what God is calling us to. In the days of old, when everyone and everything throughout the world and every thought and imagination of men's hearts were consistently and totally evil, 
When God was going to destroy all living things, the Bible tells us this good news that he found one righteous man named Noah who found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And because of that man, that man brought salvation to mankind. In the wicked days of God's people Israel, God found righteous judges who would speak a better word into the nation. And the word was not, every man just do what is right in his own eyes. No, the word was, this is what the word of the Lord says. Wake up, do it, live it, and you'll reap the benefit of it. In the days of Ezekiel, the cry went out from the Lord. I'm looking for a man to rebuild the walls of righteousness that have been broken down and to stand in the gap so that I won't have to destroy the land. Second Chronicles 16.9 says that the eyes of the Lord are searching throughout the whole earth to find and strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. When I was 16 years old, this word from Ezekiel came into my heart. And I heard a message spoken that God is looking for a man to build up the walls of righteousness and stand in the gap for the land. And I remember the Lord piercing my heart that day and the Holy Spirit speaking into me and saying, Phil, I want you to be one of those men who will stand up and stand in the gap and stand strong for your family, for the church, for the world, and for the kingdom. Will you be that man? And that day I said, Lord, I don't know how, I don't know what you're asking of me. I'm 16 years old, but I'm willing. Make me into that kind of man. I was able to sit on my back porch yesterday with a young man named Maddox Brown and speak into his life. He just turned 13 years old, and I said, Maddox, God wants you to be a man who will stand up and stand in the gap for him and rebuild the wall of righteousness in this nation. Will you answer the call, Maddox? Maddox, we're counting on you. He's actually back there. All the slides you're seeing on the screen is because Maddox back there is making it happen. Let me tell you something. I'm praying for you, buddy. And you need to be praying for this young man and all the young men in our church. He told us yesterday that he feels called to be in ministry. Praise God for that. But you know what, my friends? You, every single one of us need to feel called to ministry because that is the call to every single one of us. Who will be the men who will stand up? Will he find you in the day of trouble? Maddox, be the man. Adam Schwartz, be the man. Noah Stacker, be the man. Weston, be the man. Rowan, be the man. Hudson, are you listening? Be the man. Crew, be the man. Brooks Phillip, 
be the man. These are all my, I get the, I get the privilege of calling out my grandkids and a couple of other young men in our church. The call is going out to the young men. Stand up, speak up, and be the men that God is calling you to be. But listen to me, my friends. Those young men will never be the men or will be very hard for them to ever be the men without the men in their lives right now being the men who will stand up and step up and speak up and speak a better world into their hearts, into the hearts of your family, into the hearts of our community, and in the hearts of our nation, and into the hearts of the people around the world that you have been called to step up and speak. Men who will live lives of righteousness before God before their families and before the whole world, no matter how unpopular it gets, men of the word and who will be men of their word. How desperate are we in need of that? And let me just say something to you right now. And that we're on a push from the mighty men of God, the mighty 300, this ministry that we have going on where men can click in with other men and be accountable we're, 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 we're jumping into the third quarter of the year on how to be a disciplined man of God and reading Kent Hughes' book, Disciplines of a Godly Man. It's time for you. Some of you men have been sitting on the sidelines. I'm calling you out because God is calling you out. We need you to step up and be the mighty warrior. So go online, sign up, start reading the Bible every single day. Because we need men who are in the word every day so that they are equipped to speak the better word out there in crazy land that we find ourselves living in today that is only going to get worse and worse, the Bible tells us. It's not going to get better and better. We need men who will not follow the ways of the world and will not let their children be influenced by the ways of the world. Men who will raise their children and not relegate that responsibility to their wives or the school or to their friends or to their culture. We need men who will stand on the wall every day and stand in the gap for their families and for the world. We need men who, by the way they live and breathe, speak a better word. Will you be that man? Will you make that commitment today? Two words I'm going to leave you with. Humility and repentance. These are the two ingredients that will put every individual, and listen to me, friends, listen, every, every person, not just the men right now, every person, please listen. Humility and repentance are the ingredients that will put you on the path to recovery and unity and blessing and salvation and deliverance and joy and peace and prosperity. Some of you listening to me right now will say, you know what, it's too late for me, Phil. You don't know the things that I have done. No, I, I don't. But I promise you something. I could take you in multiple places in the word of God, even the passage I didn't preach on today, Genesis 38, and show you that people, broken people, who do horrible things in the name of doing what they think is best in their own eyes, can be changed and redeemed and forgiven of horrible sins. That's what God's all about. You can turn your heart to the Lord today through humility 
It takes humility to be saved because you've got to come to God and admit that you're a sinner and you've got to kneel before him and kneel your heart and bow your heart before him and say, God, I am a sinner and I know it and I can't save myself. I don't have a better way and I don't have a better word. And I want to accept the gift of salvation that your son gave me by dying on the cross, shedding his blood, speaking a better word into my life, which will bring salvation. I want to accept you. Those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. If you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. And you can be saved today, right where you are. You can give your heart to Jesus right now. It's never too late to humble yourself and repent and turn from your sin and walk in a new, living, life-giving way in Jesus Christ today. And then you can be the one to turn the tide and change the world. The question is, will you be the man? I'm asking you because God is asking you, will you be the man? Men, will you be the man? Young men, will you be the man? Right now, make a decision. Take a stand. Step up. And determine that you're going to live the way God wants you to live. You're going to learn how God wants you to to live. And then you're going to speak it by the way that you live. And you're going to be the one who goes out there and makes a difference in our world because you're advancing the kingdom of Jesus Christ through the gospel, the good news, the better word. If you're sitting next to your your wife and kids, maybe, Dad, maybe you ought to just reach out and grab their hands right now and give them a squeeze or pull them in tight, and that's your, that's your cue. That's your communication to your kids and to your, to your wife. I'm going to be that man. You just do it right now. Let them know. I'm going to be that man. I may have failed. You know that I fail every day? But I'm determined Maybe you're all alone today, men, and you're just sitting all alone. You're watching this all alone. Well, then reach out to somebody. Text me. Text a friend. Text somebody. Email somebody and just say, I'm making a decision today. Don't just let this pass by as some other message on Father's Day. Make a decision. Commit right now. Some of you need to get online right now and go to the Mighty 300 point on our app and, or on our website and sign up and just say, I'm going to start tomorrow. I'm going to get in with a community of men who are serious about God and I'm going to give my heart to the Lord and I'm going to get into the word every day because that's what God calls me to be and then I'm going to speak the better word. Just do it. And if you do, God has promised to do immeasurably more than you can even ask or imagine through the power that is at work inside of you through the Lord Jesus Christ, to speak a better word. Let me pray for you. Our Father, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for men like Paul that you called to write to us and encourage us in this, that when the world is dark and when things are hard and things get worse and worse and wickedness prevails on the earth, that you are still always looking for a man who will step up and be the life giver, that will speak the words, the wonderful words of life into the current climate of the culture, that will bring healing and bring unity 
and bring deliverance and bring salvation. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for giving us your life and shedding your blood to speak that better word over us and for the blood of Jesus Christ to cover us and to remove our sins. I thank you. I thank you for giving us your promised Holy Spirit who speaks to our hearts and ministers to us and draws our hearts closer to you. We're grateful. Raise us up, Lord. Raise up your men to impact our world with the good news and the better word. And it's in his precious, powerful name that we pray. Amen.